Dave, it seems that when I originally posted the Phil Hansen episode, I put the wrong uh, file in there. I don't know how that happened, but what I'm going to do here is I am going to share with you the Phil Hansen episode. Uh, so check it out. It's going to be great. This is actually me and Phil talking. Um, as before, I won't go through the super long introduction because you've already had to sit through that probably more than once. But make sure you check out my friends at Booking Protect, bookingprotect.com. Uh, we are posted some great art, a great article about rebuilding trust with your audience after the pandemic over at the We Will Recover website, which you can find at wewillrecover.live. We Will Recover is a really great initiative put together by Anar and Martin and the team at Activity Stream. So check that out. There's people from all over the world there helping out, um, contributing ideas, uh, webinars, um, resources, all kinds of great stuff. So check it out. There's a Book and Protect article there that just went up last week. It's great about rebuilding your trust. Check out the Booking Protect blog. We have a few ideas and a few things that are coming up, uh, including I'm going to go back to some of the past podcasts, I think, and uh, create a handout or some tip sheets from people getting their ideas now based on what we know. Um, that'll be there at the Booking Protect website, so check it out, bookingprotect.com. Make sure you get the Talking Tickets newsletter. You can get it by sending me an email, davidavewakeman.com. Put Talking Tickets in the newsletter. I'll get you there, or you can go to my website, davewakeman.com, and you'll see a newsletter link. You go there, you can sign up. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, make sure that you join me on the 14th and 15th of July for the NATB's virtual conference. Um, I'm going to be talking about relationships, which is super, super important with Ken Sulkey from Las Vegas Tickets, Patrick Ryan from Eventelect, uh, Dr. Corey Gibbs. Corey and I go way back. If you listen to the podcast at all, you know we went to college together at the University of Alabama. Roll Tide, baby. Woo! Um, so without further ado, here, it, for real this time, is my conversation with Phil Hansen from Cuit on the Business of Fun. I want to welcome Phil Hansen from Cuit to the Business of Fun podcast. How are you, Phil? I'm doing well, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for uh, giving Cuit a little attention on air here. Oh, this is going to be fun because we're going to get to talk about a couple of things that I think are really awesome. Uh, we're going to talk about some experience, and we're going to talk about our money, uh, which is my favorite topic, and we are going to talk about selling tickets. So, I mean, what, what, what more fun can we have on a Tuesday afternoon? It's hard to beat. It's hard to beat, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, some people, like, they, they go do other stuff. We, we talk about tickets and money. It's going to be great. Um, so let me start out by asking you to give people just a little bit of an overview of Qit, Um because maybe some people aren't necessarily 100% um, certain about what you work on, but I think it's very cool. Yes. So Qit the product is built to control uh, high-demand online events. In the ticketing space, that is typically on sales or membership uh, subscription uh, campaigns uh, or uh, major tour announcements, you know, all, all these fun things that if you haven't been a part of as a as an industry insider, you uh, have participated to because you love um, live entertainment, music, uh, the performing arts. Uh, as a company, Qit was founded uh, in 2010. So this year, uh, coming up here, we will be celebrating our 10th anniversary. And uh, we, we really got our start 
in uh, the ticketing space and online ticketing, helping uh, bring a level of online fairness uh, to ticket on sales. Uh, and uh, we have our roots actually in Copenhagen, Denmark, is where our home office is. Uh, three years ago, uh, coming up on three years ago, um, we expanded uh, into the U.S. into Minneapolis, uh, where we have our our office here to service and um, sell to the North American market. Yeah, and it's interesting. So you t- we talked about high demand on sales, and I think that this is really interesting for people because I think it's interesting for people who are listening to the the, the podcast because they work with them. I think it's also interesting for people who maybe stumble onto the podcast or don't, are unfamiliar with how the technology works. It's because an on sale you never hear about it if it goes well. You only hear about the on sale when there's a mess. Uh, you know, something like, uh, I don't even think, what, what's a really great one that was, like had some complications? You know, I think Taylor Swift had some issues a couple of years back or, um, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes like with some of the, the lately, um, maybe the big bands like Pearl Jam or something, they, they've had some issues yeah. with their on sales. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so nobody, so people don't necessarily understand, you know, they, they only hear about these things when they go wrong. Um, but from your perspective and from my perspective, this is cool because it helps provide a better experience for people who are um, in the waiting room, right? Um, actually, I, I know for sure a great example that I just had because people sent me tons and tons of emails was the Pearl Jam concert at Madison Square Garden, um, which was, I don't know how many tickets went on sale for that, but it's, you know, Madison Square Garden, a big venue, but not huge. And people were talking about being in the waiting room for, a half hour to an hour or more and then not getting any tickets. So can you talk to us about a little bit about what the experience is like and how Qit helps improve on that? Because I think if you are, are sitting in a waiting room for 30 or 45 minutes as a consumer, it's going to be a little frustrated. Um, and I don't think necessarily everybody understands what the technology does or why it's important. Yeah, that's a, a great example, a great pick. Picture really to paint, uh, because what is really happening uh, with Qit on an on sale is that a user or a you know a fan is redirected basically to the waiting page. Um, there, as soon as they land there, we're already and, and our our customers uh, who we partner with closely are already bringing like a sense of legitimacy and order to the experience, which already alleviates some stress. Um, from there, there is certainly a wait, like uh, you described. It could be uh, 10 minutes. It could be 30 minutes. It could be 45 minutes. And uh, some of this psycho- uh, psychology of queuing and really what's happening, and, and actually I think everyone listening can probably find an example in, in their everyday life where they weren't told how long their wait would be, uh, and that wait seemed like forever. Right. But if you are given time, uh, some sort of time or some sort of uh, number of people in front of you, uh, like our tool is providing our customers uh, to communicate to their customers, you can make a qualified decision on is this worth my weight uh, or is there something better I should be doing with my time? Is my time more valuable? Right. That economic decision. And um, consumers uh, feel respected, really, um, 
and empowered when they're actually given that choice, right? Um, so you typically have that. And then in turn, providing that information, what we do see is um, people typically waiting, right? So um, even if it is at 30 or 45 minutes, um, uh, I'm a big Pearl Jam fan too. I, I, or last time I saw them, uh, it was at a festival just outside of Amsterdam. Uh, you know, uh, and I get excited just, just talking about it. So those numbers, uh, bring a little bit of, um, uh, um, fact, uh, to the, to the like waiting experience, right? Um, and so there is, uh, definitely, uh, that, that part of it, right? And so, um, that psychology of queuing and, uh, or, or waiting in line, uh, being given information, uh, often our product even having video, um, at least one of our, uh, major ticketing customers has the, basically their own studio where they are then, uh, showing video from that studio, um, throughout, uh, the, the on-sale waits that they might be having for their customers. So, um, a lot of things that, that can be done in terms of engaging with your audience too, to make it, make that wait go faster, uh, even if it is this precise amount of time or precise amount of people in front of you. Well, let me ask you a question that probably is going to sound a little bit naive or, um, dare I say stupid. Um, and I, and if it is, it's, it's my question. So it, it people <laughs> know I'm naive and stupid. So it doesn't matter. Um, but in a way, doing it the way that you do it helps recreate that, that, um, that sense that you used to have if you stood in line, right? I remember very vividly standing in line to get, uh, tickets to the very first Florida Marlins game uh, back in 1993 when I was in high school. And in a way, by giving you a time and giving you kind of an estimate of number of people in front of you and, you know, spelling it out a little bit more, doesn't it sort of virtually in, in recreate that feeling a little bit more? Because I know some people, I, I don't want to say people enjoyed standing in line for tickets or waiting for the box office to open, but at the same time, I know a lot of people who are probably somewhere around the age that both of us are, who have very fond memories of standing in line waiting to get tickets. It, it was like a rite of passage. Yeah, absolutely. There, there is a nostalgia factor that that, that comes in there too, and 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 it's often um, really helpful to to explain it that way too, because people can then instantly imagine the level of of fairness uh, that is being brought to that that on sale again. Hey, people aren't, you know, we remember it this way, but people are only the biggest fans are waiting outside of, of the box office now. Right. And, and so what happens is um, it, it is introduced a new uh, amount of people that can try to get the tickets that, uh, you know, OK, our, our second tier of biggest fans then who are showing up on that uh, on sale online. Um, really excited about uh, that content. And so it, it's bringing that sense of order first in, uh, first out, uh, and, and hopefully uh, making people f- feel as, uh, you know, that, that they're getting that, ex- that fair experience. Most of the other products in the, in the market are not able to do first in, first out. So you can imagine being a huge fan of something and shown, showing up and being uh, thrown into a jumbled mess and, um, Tickets being thrown in the air, and you either grab one or or uh, you don't, right? Oh yeah. So uh, it's a it's a great uh, it's a great way to think of it, uh, and um, and also 
think of how going back to that psychology of queuing of okay when you're standing in line you can see the number of people in front of you right you can see if the line uh bends around uh three blocks or or two blocks or what um uh, this sort of thing so so that's a really uh you know those were some indicators that you had as as to how far you had to go and um and and we are providing the tools to let people know how how soon in an online way uh, they can get through. Well, in a way too, and, and again, this is like an obvious question, but one of the things that people, uh, regular customers and regular folks um, complain about or talk about, or it seems to be an issue that gets brought up pretty regularly is this idea of transparency and Mm -hmm. doing, you know, having a tool or having, you know, some sort of platform that allows you to somehow show, you know, the number of people who are there or the number of people who are trying to log in, you know, some of this information like you're talking about, doesn't that help with the transparency a little bit? Because I, I mean, I know that the the holy grail, if you hear the really loud voices go off, is that, well, it just tells how many tickets are on sale, right? Which, I don't know. I mean, I never know how many, how many iPhones are on sale when I go to buy an iPhone, right? But, um, you know, so why, why would a ticket be any different? But, you, yeah. you know, how does... How does something like, you know, uh, waiting room technology help with tra- um, with transparency? Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, uh, to, to touch on that, yep, like um, we're so often seeing demand exceed the supply that um, it doesn't matter if it's five or 5,000 uh, or 50,000 when 100,000 uh, people are showing up online, right? Um, so totally, uh, totally agree with you there. Um, you know, the, the transparency again, um, is, uh, is something that, uh, our, our customers are, are taking with their customers. Uh, we are, uh, unlocking insights, uh, around, um, how many, what look to be real, uh, website users, um, are showing up, uh, how many, uh, let's say fake simulated, aka bots, right? And what, uh, some of those were doing, uh, on that. And that, and that level of transparency, um, is something that our customers uh, can act on, um, and partner with, uh, venues, promoters, this sort of thing, uh, to, to know and to anticipate on future on sales. Um, you know, so, uh, this transparency all the way to the consumer is, uh, we, we provide the tools really to, to help with that, you know, in terms of that weight and, and, and expected time and, and, and this sort of thing into the site. But, um, I think, uh, uh, using the data that, that we, uh, are helping, uh, helping collect on these on sales, uh, really is, is creating some, uh, good conversation, uh, between, you know, different members of the ecosystem here on, um, on what to expect in the future and also, um, you know, uh, how do we continue uh, to, to make sure that, you know, uh, tickets are getting into, to fans' hands, um, the way we'd like them to. Yeah. And let me ask you about this because you talked about insights into, you know, how many real users are versus, uh, bots or uh, simulated users, uh, fake users, whatever we want to call it today. Mm-hmm. What does the percentage look like? Because, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot. It was just, I was highlighting something that I saw recently and it was like over 40% of traffic just in general on the internet mm-hmm. is not real. 
as I yep. think what it, what it, what it was. It was somewhere around the 36 to 46, somewhere in that range. Um, does that mirror what you see or is that like, is it different for tickets? You know, that's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty good baseline. Um, the, the content is what drives, um, the nefarious activity, uh, or attracts, uh, the nefarious activity, I should say. Um, some of that internet traffic that you're talking about is just out scraping content, uh, good and bad, right? Like, uh, Google, uh, we won't be able to search it, uh, use it search without it crawling the internet with bots. Um, but, but, you know, other, other people doing that for, um, less, um, um, lesser, uh, value to the greater good, uh, in more of their own. Uh, but for the, the bots that we see on on sales, uh, these ones are, are trying to, you know, uh, buy those, uh, tickets or they are, uh, trying to hold inventory, uh, while the on sale is going on. And, uh, they're doing technical calls to secondary market sites, uh, to see if it's, uh, worth uh, a decent return on, in, on their investment to actually buy that and then resell it, right? So, uh, they, they they can wreak havoc on a, uh, on an on sale in that sense, uh, where it, it can look, uh, almost like it's sold out. But in fact, if, um, if tickets on the, uh, if the traffic and activity on the second, their market is not um, keeping up with the value that they feel like they should be getting if they were to uh, continue through that purchase. Um, they'll let it go, and then uh, you can have uh, nightmare scenarios like your front row uh, of a performing arts center uh, being empty uh, because it's, uh, the uh, the bots just held on to that inventory, uh, and um, and people didn't fully understand um, that that was there. Um, uh, or re-released uh, out, out into um, the, to the public later. So eventually that gets sold right on, on popular content, but like uh, um, it can, uh, the, the arbitrage they're playing can, uh, can kind of mess with everyone's experience from uh, the, the, the primary seller uh, to the fans who think it is sold out and it's not uh, and so on. Right. Right. And, I, and, and I guess the question for me then becomes, is like if you if you do have bots that are jamming up your site and they are kind of wreaking havoc on the situation and you do encounter a situation where all of a sudden it looks like the, the event sold out and then you have like a performing arts center, which is the example you you use, and and the front row sold, not sold out. It creates this environment where it's costing people money and where mm-hmm. the consumer doesn't come back, right? The customer doesn't come back because they go, Oh my God, the, Sam- the Ham- Hamilton on the Tuesday night in uh, May is sold out. I'm not going to be able to ever see Hamilton. It's just, un- mm-hmm. it's nuts. Um, you know, and mm-hmm. how often is something like that happening, happening? And, you know, um, I guess, you know, how, how does it work to, to stop that, you know, like what, you know, yeah. what does that look like? Cause I, yeah. I'm curious. So that's, that, that's, that, yeah, that's happening very often because, um, um, a number of the secondary sites, um, don't require like proof of owning the ticket in order to, uh, put, um, uh, put a post up. Right. So essentially they're selling, uh, someone can be selling futures, uh, on there. Um, like they don't even selling something they don't even own yet. But using that bot to secure that inventory that they're thinking about buying 
putting a price out there, seeing if that price would be taken by someone. And if it would be, uh, they purchase from primary and then almost immediately transfer to, to secondary, right? So, uh, that is happening quite often. And, in the, the heartbreaker on that is that's happening on, uh, really big on sales, um, with some really distributed attacks. And it's happening even like, uh, on, on, on sales that maybe don't go, uh, with a full sellout right away even. So, um, it can even influence uh, initial numbers on those ones, right? So that's yeah, a, I would a say maybe it's even worse on the smaller shows that are struggling, yeah. right? Because yeah. if you're looking at some of the data across the industry, it's what um, not your blockbuster shows, not your big shows, but like a lot of these shows, maybe fifty percent is a really good number for capacity, right? Or you know mm-hmm. somewhere between fifty and sixty percent. So. Every seat that in that case makes a difference. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, and also you know uh, your uh, your sports uh, base. Um, it's the same thing, right? Um, people can be um, doing the same thing uh, on empty seats um, and uh, game day and this sort of thing. So um, it's it's a pretty pervasive issue. So I'm going to ask about one of my favorite topics now, money. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it goes without saying that something like this helps with the revenue. So how mm-hmm. does, you, you know, knowing that we've talked about the bots and we've talked about some of the way that the, the, um, brokers and the resale works on this, um, you know, and the challenge of leaving seats empty, how does smoothing out the demand and how does, uh, managing your waiting room better, you, you know, what kind of revenue results are we seeing? Yeah. So I think where we come in, and this is a, a little bit the interesting part of the conversation often for us uh, when we're, we're talking with people that are sometimes talking about ticket margins, this sort of thing, um, is that the monetization is coming uh, from almost like marketing uh, types of terms in a way. Um, lifetime value uh, when you're talking about getting um tickets into the hands of fans and not into bots and fans and into the hands of uh, fans at the price point that's been agreed to by the, all the parties that are involved in that decision. Um, you know, that is uh, in all the work that went into um, determining that um, that is, you know, part of it. Cause right. Like, you know, we will hear from time to time and, and there's people out there not using us because, uh, they're of the, the perspective. Well, we're going to sell all our tickets anyway. Uh, it might get ugly. Um, but they're going to all sell. So, um, uh, you know, that's, that's the important thing to us or, um, so, um, uh, you can be realistic about that and, and still say there's this, lifetime uh, value that um, that people coming back to the venue or coming back to that artist or um, coming back to that team uh, really should be concerned with. And, and also, uh, you know, is it aligning with your brand, right? Is this experience that you're providing like consistent with the quality um, of touch with your organization, whether you're a ticketing platform, a venue, um, a team, um, a performing arts center that takes a ton of uh, pride in uh, the historic um, air uh, that you breathe every time you step in there and the experience that people have in that incredible space. 
um, it, it factors in a lot to that, right? So um, monetization also is interesting for uh, some of our customers, our, 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 what you might call emerging uh, um, customers, where um, essentially they get like a ticketing platform grows by having it's the next big event. Uh, finding a great niche, maybe, but other than that, getting their next big event right, and then they can put on that next RFP. Uh, we've done um, events with this many tickets sold, uh, this many, this much demand, this much reach, and and that helps them uh, uh, move up the, the food chain in this uh, in this industry, right? So there's a couple different ways that we're touching on monetization there, um, but. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, uh, realistically the, the way, um, uh, we're helping with monetization is to, it's, it's a bit of a brand play and a lifetime value, um, experience, um, and, and, and securing, uh, the relationships that, that you already have, right? Um, having a, a bad experience is enough. There's, you know, the, it didn't take, it's a great topic and, uh, and something that people continue to come back to. Well, uh, we're not just, we're not competing, uh, against the venue down the street. We're competing against, um, that new movie on Netflix, uh, that, uh, new season, uh, whatever on HBO, you know, like, uh, uh competing, uh, in so many different ways that, that providing, um, uh, great experiences, uh, is, 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 uh, is coming to the top as a, a way to keep people engaged in, in your, uh, in your line of business. Oh, absolutely. And you, you bring up two really important things, right? Which is number one, you, whoever you thought your competition was in the past, it's them plus probably a hundred other things, right? Because most of us are walking around with the access to the greatest entertainment ever in our pocket. Yeah. Most of the yeah. time. Um, but one of the really co- cool things that you talked about, and I didn't know you were going to bring this up because I didn't know this was a part of uh, how you were positioning um, the brand, was the lifetime value. Because that's something that people have been asking me a lot about lately, and it was part of the result of a survey I did on my website. But lifetime value and this idea that if I don't set up this experience that's holistic, that befits what I want to give to my customers – the likelihood of them leaking out and going somewhere else increases at every mm-hmm. challenge or every friction point in the, in the process. And, you know, so like highlighting that is like super, super important, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I didn't mean to step on you. No, 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 absolutely. I, I think that's uh, that's absolutely right. And I think, uh, um, uh, people can immediately jump to in their mind, somewhere where they had a bad experience and what are uh, the things that are tied to it? Uh, the, you know, uh, the company uh, that was involved. Right. And, uh, and they can think of, uh, did I, um, did I elect to use that, um, that company, that organization that, um, uh, you know, that brand again, or did I, um, uh, choose one of the, uh, other, uh, competing, uh, brands, however you want to define, uh, competition or competing activities or whatever you'd like to think of there, right? Which is, uh, almost overwhelming just that when you open up, uh, <laughs> that thought process, um, what else you can, you, the, the, the beauty of choice that we have. 
Right. And it seems to me that, right, and and, we, it, and I think we're staying on message here when I, if I say this, right, which is like you talk about it's easy for people's mind to jump to a bad experience. And mm-hmm. a statistic that I saw recently uh, in a book by a guy called – it's called It Takes What It Takes. And it's by a guy called Trevor Moad who was the brain coach for the University of Alabama when Nick Saban first took over. He talked about um, these negative – images and these negative things, they take up, uh, they have like 10 times greater impact on our thinking and our memory than positive things do. So one of the biggest things that we can do um, as, you know, in selling tickets or just in life is to control those negative interactions, those negative um, you know, those, those negative moments. And, mm-hmm. you know, as, as I was looking at the notes I made before we were talking here, um, controlling the experience somebody's having when they're buying a ticket is huge because even if they don't buy a ticket or because it's, you know, the demand outstrips what, what's available, whatever happens, uh, you can still leave a positive impression on somebody if it's handled the right way. And that yeah. helps with the underlying issue of, the ticket buying process can be very, very frustrating for people who don't work in tickets. And I'll go mm-hmm. on a limb and go, for people who do work in tickets, it can be frustrating sometimes too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and that's exactly why you, what we're doing with our product is trying to empower um, our customers to give their customers more information and make a decision. Uh, feel that again, there's a sense of legitimacy and order around the ticket buying process. Uh, and, um, and, uh, you know, we, <laughs> we, we get to sift through plenty of social media feedback. Uh, and, uh, it's uh, often, you know, thanks for putting this system in place. I didn't get what I uh, wanted, but I was able to determine, uh, you know, that this was uh, worth waiting for, or I was able to submit my email address and be notified that uh, my turn was uh, up, but uh, all tickets were sold out. And um, by having a system in place, I didn't have to, uh, you know, uh, just wait, um, you know, with a message, don't refresh or, you know, like, uh, even though I want to refresh so bad, like it, it, our system doesn't require that. Um, so like uh, this sort of thing, right? Um is 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 how you can um, you can you can do your best. Uh, you will have people who are extremely disappointed. Uh, their daughter knows every lyric to every uh, Hamilton or Frozen song, um, uh, or, uh, or 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 what. But um, but uh, for you know so many other people, it, it is uh, appreciated in, in general. Um, human psychology that like providing this information about a weight will um, quell uh, the majority of um, fears and, and give people a qualified point to make a decision. Yeah. The whole, the whole idea hits on this thing that I've been talking a lot more with folks about, and it's just be empathetic for the people that you're aiming to serve because yeah. they're so, uh, there's so much room for empathy, I think in the world today, um, you yeah. know, that wherever we can, add a little bit to the process to, you know, the purchase or the business relationship or whatever it is, it's a net positive for people. And I think it really sets a great tone for folks, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and something like this, as simple as it seems, or maybe as, um, 
you know, maybe it even seems trivial or like, why do I need it? Like you were pointing out earlier, because our tickets are going to sold out. I think it's so super important because the thing is, is it just signals to the people that you're selling to that you do mm-hmm. care. <laughs> you, you do yeah. are worried about them. And I, and I think that's super, yeah. super important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have customers who say they're they're um, their patrons really don't know what to do now. Uh, if there's an on sale, they choose not to put us on because they're not expecting a, a, a big rush, um, that, that they've gotten used to this system being in place and appreciating it, uh, for what it is. And, and it's, uh, it's important to use that empathy though and, and listen to customers in the old school channels, right? Not just, uh, not just trying to always uh, find the technology to, to plug a gap, but actually, um, show some empathy and, and get out there and, and talk to them, engage with them and, uh, and ask them what, what works best. Um, and, and what do they appreciate about the experience and, and where are things in their, uh, buying, uh, experience, their, uh, fan experience that, uh, you know, could be, uh, Im- improved and, and they'll probably be fairly honest with you. Oh my gosh. Yes. This, if I only achieve one thing with all the stuff I do, if I get people, to talk to their customers more, I will have achieved a great deal because what I have found over the years is that if you just ask people, they will tell you exactly what's on their mind. It might not always be great, but I also look at the negative feedback as a great opportunity to build a stronger relationship because most of the time people are frustrated because nobody listens to them and people just want to be heard. And like, you know, so, so having empathy, going old school and talking to people is a huge huge competitive advantage for the businesses that do that, at least in mm-hmm. my opinion. But no, I, absolutely. But Phil, let me ask you this because now since I passed episode 100 now, I've been putting people Congrats. on the spot. Oh, thank you so much. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew people were going to listen <laughs> to this podcast so much? Uh, I've been asking for action items. Um, you know, so even if people don't work with me and you, uh, at all. I've been trying to give them one or two action items, you know, me and you to give one or two action items, uh, from each episode so people can take some action off of these things and kind of, you know, do better with their business, sell more tickets, make more money. Uh, so for me, so that way, since I put you on the spot, I'll go first. Um, I'm going to say that your last point about going old school and talking to people, that's super important point that I want people to take action on. You know, even if you just pick one person, one customer a day to talk to them and ask them what they like or what they don't like, I think that's super, super important. The second point that I think was important to me from our conversation that I think people can really take advantage of is uh, think about lifetime customer value and think about what you want that customer path and that customer relationship to look like over time is. Um, Phil, hopefully I didn't steal your two ideas that you were going to talk about. No, I, I, I'll, sh- I'll, um, I'll jump off on your first one. And instead of saying, um, uh, talk to another customer, I should probably just say talk to, uh, a second one because, uh, no one is really doing it enough or, or most, most people are not doing it enough. But what I'll say instead of talk to a customer, um, I'll take that uh, as an answer too. That would be <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. That's one, that's one A. That's, so I'm going to do three things then. That's one A. One B is to go in your organization and, um, find someone that you're not engaging with on a daily basis, but you know has a unique perspective on your business 
whether it's because of the function, whether it's because they're just uh, a, a great fountain uh, of wisdom and and make sure that conversation happens in the next two weeks as well. Yeah. Uh, then the other one, I you know, um, uh, maybe it's the state state of the world that we're in right now. But like um, the other one is just be optimistic. Um, uh, um, and isolate a situation when you're about to not be optimistic and put on uh, the white hat of optimism and um, look at it, look at the situation through that lens and what might come from it. So uh, often, uh, like you're saying, um, uh, people will um, will. Um, be happy to tell you about a, a rough time, but actually, um, uh, how do we put on a white hat and, and find the opportunity in that? Um, I think, um, that's a, a big part of, um, where Qit is, uh, happily delivering this service, uh, where, um, at first pass, people might say, I'd never want to wait, make someone wait online, but, when when you look at all the the things that stack up to pointing to it being a really good idea in many cases, um, uh, we're happy to bring that service out to the world. Uh, happy to help people um, maybe on their first on sale uh, after running thousands of these through our system, uh, tens of thousands, uh, you know, and um, and think of other op- opportunities to to be optimistic, to put on the white hat. Uh, uh, in, in some of these, uh, trying times, uh, uh, because there, there is opportunity in it. There's, um, um, there's happiness out there and there's, uh, there's definitely opportunity in, in putting on, uh, uh, that optimism hat. And, uh, n- not to say, uh, always keep your, uh, rose colored glasses on, but, um, uh, throw them, throw them on, uh, as the spring and summer arrive here, a uh, little, little more often, uh, than, than, than you did in the winter. And, and so on. I, I mean, being optimistic, I don't know if anybody's ever talked about optimism on here before, but I think that's really like a, a really great point because if we are, um, you know, we're creating these magical moments for folks, right? Yes, uh, absolutely. So if we can't be optimistic and excited about that, then we probably, there's bad times ahead. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And if somebody is struggling, I did mention the book. Um, it takes what it takes by Trevor Moad. It talks about thinking neutrally and it's like, and it really to highlight and jump off of your point. So make it three B here would be, um, and I found this helpful. It's to try to eliminate some of the emotional, uh, connection to some of the bad, like negative things that are going on around you and just don't give them the power. So you kind of maintain a neutral perspective and you go, Hmm, that's interesting. That person, cause around here in DC all the time, people are always constantly almost taking me out in traffic or when I'm walking and it's very, it becomes very <laughs> frustrating. So it's just go, so what am I going to do? I'm going to tackle a car. No, I'm not. <laughs> so, so just to be like, be, uh, be able to understand that and go, Hey, look, you know, this did happen, but instead of being angry about it, how can I deal with it? You know, and I think that mm-hmm. that helps with the optimism. And I think being optimistic and being excited in what what we're dealing with here, I think it's it's a super important point to make. So, and I'm glad I didn't even see that coming. That was amazing. Um, Phil, yeah. where can people find you on the internet? Uh, I love LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> uh, love and LinkedIn. Uh, my name is H uh, A N S O N. Um, I work for a Danish company, so uh, people might think it, it would end in S-E-N, but uh, 
my background, my my ethnicity is actually more uh, in the Norwegian uh, lines of um, of uh, of the Scandin- Scandinavian heritage. But uh, uh, there and then, uh, my Twitter handle is my name without vowels. Uh, should you um, struggle with uh, figuring out what my last name ends with, so just P H L H N S N. So Phil Hansen. Um, uh, there you may get a little bit more content, uh, about, um, sports and pop culture, uh, uh and, um, even occasional, uh, photos of my, my, uh, lovely wife and, and two kids, one in three. So tons of photo opportunities, uh, there as well. But, um, but yeah, happy to c- connect with people, um, in uh, the digital space there as well. Awesome. Well, Phil, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks, Dave. Always great to talk. I totally nailed it this time. That was me and Phil Hansen talking. Woo! You know, a little rusty around the edges, but we're going to get back to it. All right, make sure you check out my website. It's DaveWakeman.com. Follow me on social media. I'm at Dave w- David Wakeman on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, right? You can even find me on Facebook and Instagram, but really all you're going to see um, are pictures of my keto cooking and probably uh, stuff about Tottenham Hotspur and Alabama football. So, you know, buyer beware there. Uh, make sure you check out my friends at Booking Protect. Uh, great, great partners, great, great people. Um, we're doing some new content around recovery, uh, rebuilding trust, um, things that will help people get back on their feet. Uh, you can check it out by visiting BookingProtect.com, visiting their blog. Uh, like I mentioned in the intro, both days, both days. Um, go to WeWillRecover.live. Uh, there's a book, great Booking Protect article there about rebuilding trust. Um, there's some great content on the We Will Recover website uh, from me, uh, you know, goes without saying, I'm a, a known blowhard, but the guys from Activity Stream, uh, Angela and Joe from Ticketing Professionals in Australia, uh, Andrew and Carol from Ticketing Professionals in England, uh, Entix, um, Jill Robinson and her folks, um, Made Media. Yeah, all kinds of great folks. I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting people, but there's so many great people. Uh, everybody's ambition is really to help get the industry back on its feet, um, get people back into shows and get people uh, rebuilding their organizations. It's super important. Um, you know, like I said before, uh, if you need somebody to talk to, if you just want to hear a voice, or you even just want to make sure I'm real, uh, you can send me an email. It's daviddavewakeman.com. Um, you know, I'm happy to be here as a resource i'm happy to be here just as like somebody to talk to uh, make sure you join me on the 14th and 15th of july for the intix virtual uh summit or conference i forget exactly what the name is but it's the replacement for the world ticketing conference uh because we can't have it this year in las vegas uh, i'm going to be talking on a panel about relationships with dr Corey gibbs um Patrick Ryan from Eventelect and Ken Sulky from las vegas tickets so it should be very good um you know i know that Ken's known for having just some tremendous relationships. I mean, he got called out on Instagram by Floyd Mayweather uh, to be like his official ticket guy. I mean, you can't beat that. Uh, Patrick has great relationships in sports. um, And when I go to places, people feel everybody feels like they know me. So we're going to talk about relationships. I think they're going to be more important than ever before. Um, You know, so check that out at the NATB's website um, and sign up. As always, look, thank you so much for being here. I'm sorry about the data screw up uh, and the file screw up. But that other uh, episode I put up there, despite the introduction, was probably pretty good. So 
Um, I got some really great things queued up for us next week uh, and in the weeks going forward. A lot of new technology, a lot of people maybe you haven't heard from before or heard of before. My friend Martin, who used to be in charge of Ticketmaster in Asia, is and now he moved back to the UK to be uh, closer to his family. He's coming on. I've got people from Switzerland, and the team from Oxenade, uh, some of those guys coming on. Um, all kinds of great stuff. So we're going to try to help uh, give you s- uh, some resources, some ideas to think about. Um, at least over here at the Dave Wakeman compound, we're going to try to make ourselves useful. So until next time, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you soon. Take it easy. <laughs>